0: Well, good morning, church. That's what I would say if I was at home. So when we're in the family of God, we get to be at home no matter where we are and uh, no matter who we're with, right? Um, Well, my name is Matt Hyde, and uh, I pastor another church here in town called Discovery Church. And uh, I get to hang out with... um, Bren, every couple weeks, we have a group of pastors that meet and we support each other and we encourage each other and we pray together. And uh, I, I don't know how many months ago, it was at least a couple of months ago when Bren started talking about how they were going to take a sabbatical and take some time off and rest. And I was so, so excited to hear that and a little bit, I admit, a little bit jealous. Um, but it was so fun to walk in this morning and to see he and Jen. Are you guys, are you ready to have Bren and Jen back around here? Um, well, I, first of all, I want to I say thank you for a couple of things. Um, the first thing is that some of you came and blessed us at Discovery Church a few months back. I think you guys have another Serve Sunday coming up, but this winter, some of you came and, uh, and came to Discovery Church, and you prayed for us and children's ministry and for our volunteers, and, uh, and it was a really fun and exciting day, served a great meal afterwards and blessed a bunch of students and some refugees and other folks. I want to say thank you because... Um, There are not a lot of ways that the world sees the church coming together, supporting one another. I think in a lot of ways, I think people feel like we compete with one another. There's a lot of competition in this world and none of it should be between churches and among the body of Christ. Amen? Um, and, and you guys are a shining example of that in our community, and so I want to say thank you for, for that. Thank you for the vision of that, Bren, and your leadership, and for all of you engaging and participating in that. When we go out and tangibly express the love of God in our community, um, it does something in the community. It switches something, because oftentimes people know, I know we've heard this before, but, but people know what we stand against, but they don't know exactly what we stand for. And I know you guys just finished a study of the book of Matthew, and you're going into one of my other favorite books. It's my understanding. I don't mean to pop any bubbles or anything, but going into Ephesians in the fall, which is one of my favorite books in the whole Bible. But you guys came out of Matthew, and there was a directive that Jesus gave us in that to go and make disciples, to share the love that had been shared with them, that's been shared with you and I. And as we were singing that, those first verses in that song, um, love that reaches out. And, and I want to start this morning with this premise because um, I feel like we're in a time in our country where there's a, lot of, of, there's a lot of hurt and a lot of pain and there's a lot of things going on. And I'm sure you guys have talked about those things over the course of the last few weeks. There's, there's, there's a lot of fear. There's been some death. There's been tragedy. And I actually feel like in some ways in America, we're, we're, we're dealing with a small little piece of what people in far corners of the world deal with every single day. That doesn't mean that that what we're going through is any less or more significant, but it can be equally as painful when we see the kinds of things that we see in the news, bringing the not-so-good news right into our homes and to our phones and all those things everywhere we go. Um, But we have a another news that God has put in us that he's invited us into and not just invited us into but invited us to share it with the world that's around us and I want to commend you all for the way that you do that Um, even so much as saying take a break and rest. How many of us know that in the world Rest is not something, especially in America, that it, that's very common. It's unfortunately uncommon. So I want to commend you, church, and all those it took to step forward and to serve in places. And maybe some of you discovered and found some things in yourself that you didn't discover that were there. And I want to commend you guys for taking a step almost out of the way and resting so that others could find some of those things in themselves. And so I, I want to pray as we start this morning. I want to pray over um, Brandon and Jen as they come back. In fact, is it, would, you, would you guys come can, I come? can I pray over you? See, I was supposed to speak on a different day, and I was the really annoying person that before they even went on sabbatical, I was like, hey, can I switch dates? Um, and and I, I, so I wasn't originally supposed to be here today or do this. Or do this but it was someone else's fault for telling me you were gonna be here today. (laughs) Maybe it was yours, I don't know. Um, Father, I thank you. I thank you that you have a call and a purpose on every single one of our lives, and it is different and unique. And I wanna thank you for the call that you have on Bren and on Jen's lives, on on their girls. I wanna thank you for their willingness to step out uh, in faith, And encourage and not to shrink back even when times have been hard. And I want to thank you, Lord, and speak blessing over them for a season of rest. And so, Father, I just want to ask in Jesus' name that everything that has been established, everything that has been begun, everything that has been settled in them and every dream or hope that's been lifted in them through this time of rest, Lord, I thank you. And we just ask that you would seal it in them, Jesus. And in this transition, Father, I thank you that it wouldn't be um, like going from a walk to a sprint, but Lord, I thank you that they would walk in step with you. I thank you that your grace would abound in them in every way, and I speak against fear or anxiety or anything else that may rise up, any of the things on the to-do list or whatever else that may come, and I thank you that your grace is sufficient for every need that they have. So I speak peace and health in the name of Jesus over them, over their girls. And I just thank you for your church here in downtown Boise. And I thank you uh, that vision would rise up Lord, I thank you that your spirit would flood into this city as a result of people stepping out in faith and in courage into the very places of destiny that you've called each and every single person that make up this corner, this expression of your body, Jesus. So, Lord, let hope rise in us, and I thank you, Jesus, that that you didn't leave us alone in our mess. You reached out to us first while we were still in our sin and in our stuff. And I thank you for this expression of your church that is ever and continually reaching out to others because of the way that you have reached out and touched each and every heart in this place. So, Lord, let there be greater influence. Let there be greater impact. And we thank you for it in Jesus' name. (laughs) Amen. Yeah. All right. Apologies aside, I didn't tell him I was going to do that. In fact, I didn't know I was going to do it until I sat up here and, and saw you guys. Man, what what a blessing. Well, um, I don't often get the opportunity to uh, to speak to someone or, or a group of people outside of, of folks that I'm in in pretty consistent relationship with, so... Um, it's a different sort of thing when you're praying and saying, okay, Lord, what do you have to say this morning? I take that. I take that very seriously um, in delving into the word of God. And, and um, as we were singing that song this morning, and as I walked in the room, um, there's a scripture that I've been working on memorizing. And I, and I really want to start here this morning. It's from Romans 8, a very common chapter that we turn to a lot. But, but I feel like there's some specific things that the Lord wants to speak to us um, from that text, which is really honestly not what I planned on talking about this morning. Um, but I'm going to go that way. So um, the scripture starts in Romans chapter 8, verse 1. If you've got a Bible, um, open up to it. If you've got your phone, open up Version or, or something else and scroll to it. But it starts out this way. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus, the, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. God. And I want to start there this morning because uh, there's a tremendous amount of hostility in our country. When you go home today and you turn on the news and you hear about the Republican National Convention or the tragedies that have happened over the course of the last several weeks, all you need to know is that there's a tremendous amount of hostility in our world today. And, And that's a lot of my story. I didn't grow up in the church. Uh, I grew up in a really small town in Montana, a little ski resort called Big Sky. And when we moved to Idaho, it was like big city in Boise. And I was n- not pleased in any way, shape, or form. In fact, I have pictures uh, in my mind of what this valley looks like that I grew up And this place did not look lovely or beautiful. And I did not feel accepted when I came here. In fact, I remember when we got here in fourth grade, I remember my teacher actually teased me because I didn't know what a parking meter was. And I couldn't figure out why people were putting money in sticks on the street. It made no sense to me. I know, a small-town kid. Um, But there was so much freedom that I knew when I was a kid. There was wildness and joy and fun in my heart. And a lot of that went away when I came into this place. And, uh, and there's a whole bunch of different reasons for that. Um, but as I got here and, and as, as I started growing up here, I had a couple minimal exposures to the church and, and to faith. And I went to church a few times with some friends. Um, my parents are not yet believers in God, but I have faith for it. He's drawing them near to him slowly but surely. You know, sometimes it's hard to trust God in his timing when it's not yours, but I trust him for it. And so, uh, so I grew up, and, and I constantly felt like a little bit of an outcast, and so I began to form my life around finding ways to fit in wherever I went. And the way that I've described this at different times in my life and with, even with counselors and such is that I felt like a chameleon. Everywhere I went, I tried to change colors to fit in with whoever I was around. Anybody else feel that way sometimes? I tried to do whatever I could to fit in, and I began absorbing whatever I could from those around me so that I could fit in and feel normal and feel that like there was some sense of belonging. And every now and again, I would get a taste of it, but then it would just create a greater and greater sense of emptiness. And so I began to turn to um, sports to try to find my identity. I began to turn to drugs and to alcohol, and it kind of spiraled from there, and uh, it, it, it really, in high school, solidified when I went to Catholic school, and um, a, a lot of my friends were going through in the, in the Catholic faith, uh, it's called confirmation, and they go through this period of confirming their faith, and I was really curious about it, but that curiosity ceased when I began to realize that many of my friends weren't doing it out of, out of a sense of conviction because of what they believed. It was like, well, I just, I got to do this thing because my parents want me to. And it was sort of like they were inheriting the family business, but they didn't care about their inheritance. And so that created a sense of bitterness and judgment in me toward them and their faith and this God who really all I saw was, was the oppression of people. And, and I kind of took on that attitude that the religion was oppressive to people and so there was no use for it. What was the point of it? And, uh, and then in high school, I was exposed to this amazing young woman and uh, she didn't live the same way that I saw other people live. And, and this girl, not only was she uncommonly beautiful, um, but there was just something different about her. And I'm, I'm tongue-in-cheek a bit because this is now my wife who's hiding in the back. Um, but I saw something in her beyond just physical beauty that I, I couldn't understand. I couldn't put my finger on it. But every time I was around her, it was just like there was a breath of fresh air. I wanted, I wanted to be around her more and figure out what it was that was so attractive. Um, and so I saw that in her. Again, all these seeds planted over time that, that nothing was really happening with them, but there would be some fruit that would eventually come of it. But I continued on my path, and I found myself bitter and confused and scared and addicted to drugs and alcohol and unhealthy relationships, and I hit a series of um, successive rock bottoms. Because <laughs> sometimes you think you've hit it, but that's just kind of a false bottom. Um, when I go for stuff, man, I go for it. <laughs> so uh, if I'm going to fail, it's going to be ugly, and, and it was a couple of times. And... Uh, I reached out to this, to this person who, who really wanted nothing to do with me because she saw uh, she didn't need another project. She'd already had one of those. It didn't go well. And uh, so I find myself, after college, a, a failed business I started, hugely in debt, turning back to all the stuff that only brought me emptiness in the first place. that That scripture that I just read, it says, Um, The mind governed by the flesh is hostile to God. When we don't have a relationship with God, there is a dividing wall that we create, that we live inside of, that creates hostility. And we're living out the playing out of sin and brokenness in our lives in everything that we do until there are those who come into our lives who show us a different way. And so I began to see this this different way in in her, but I was confused and lost. And uh, the deep cry of my heart continued to long for a place of love, for a place of forgiveness. And, you know, the amazing thing was that uh, religion and church—that was my perception. I didn't understand that you could have a relationship with God, and why would He, he want to have a relationship with me in the first place? But I began to point at those things out of a, out of a sense of of anger and bitterness because every part of me, there was, there was something so deep in me that said there has to be something more. This can't be it. These empty relationships, this high that I experience or this drunken state that I experience that numbs me for a bit, I come crashing back down every single time. There has to be something more, but I could never find it. I could never see it. All I could see was the problems and, and what was left afterward, which was just mess. It was just mess. You see, these are all the, the gaps that I believe that God is calling us, when we come into relationship with him, that he is calling us these gaps to be bridged in relationship with other people. And it wasn't until I, I stepped into, um, into relationship with Monica, with my wife, at the time she wasn't, but I stepped into church one morning, and, and, and full confession, uh, don't do it this way. Just saying. Just saying. Uh, we, we were living together before we were married, and that created a whole other level of mess um, for us and, and another deeper level of brokenness. Um, but we were living together, and she would still faithfully go to church, and I couldn't figure that out. See, I believe that um, when you're living, you know, when you were dating someone, this is how I, I grew up believing. When you're living with someone you're, or you're, you're trying to figure out if you're compatible and you fit, that that's the next natural step, but we just, we just see if this fits, if it works. We just move in together, and uh, that created a whole lot of pain because I didn't understand at the time. But that's not the way that God has set forth um, for us to receive blessing in the relationship of marriage. And so one morning she got up and went to church, and uh, and I was I was determined because one day I asked her and said, "Hey, could you ever marry someone that had different beliefs than you?" And she said, "Not a chance." And I'm like, well, what are we we doing then? What's the point in this relationship? And that kind of settled in my heart. And so um, I got up really quickly after she left one morning. I got dressed, and and I went to church. I thought, I'm going to see what this is all about. I'm going to see what this side of her that I really don't know anything about, that she's never pushed on me, is all about. And uh, I was reminding someone the other day, in fact, it was probably Monica, when I walked in the door, and, and I came walking into the, to the um, sanctuary, and her eyes met mine across the room. Um, there was a mix of absolute fear, and then it turned to anger. And it was sort of like, you're coming into my space. What are you doing here? <clears throat> you still see the look on her face. But you see, the deep cry in my heart was, there has to be something more. Where is it? I was willing to look under every rock, behind every tree, anywhere I could go and look and see. And so um, I really don't know if it was that Sunday or one of the next Sundays. um, But there was a couple who had known her her whole life who invited us out to lunch. We got in the car to go to lunch with this couple And she said, we need to be totally open with them about how we're living in the state of our lives. And I'm like, well, what what do I care? I don't feel like there's anything wrong with what we're doing. There's no problem. And so we sat down, because you have to know that when I I walked into church and I saw people's faces, I'd already judged every single person in that room. Because I knew what religious people were like. They lived one way and then pretended to live another and then asked forgiveness, and somehow it made it okay. That didn't make sense to me. And so... uh, we went to lunch, had a great lunch, and I couldn't figure out as I looked across this couple who were totally different. They were nothing like us. Um, they were our parents' age. They were really nice and accepting of me, and, and that it kind of threw me off my game, for lack of a better way to say it. And we finished lunch, and they were asking all these questions, very interested, no judgment, which really bothered me. I expected them to judge me so that I could be justified in my judgment. And um, we get to the end, and, uh, and they, they looked across the table and said, we'd like, you to, we'd, we'd like you to come to this small group that we have. We get together at night and have dinner and enjoy each other. And Monica looked across the table and said their names are Daniel and Betty, and said, Daniel, I just, I can't do that. I don't, I don't want to tell people about how we're living. I don't want to make any excuses. I don't want to do any of that stuff. And he smiled this really sweet smile and said, well, Monica, I wasn't inviting you. I was inviting Matt which you have to know was really funny until I realized what, what that meant. Oh, you're inviting me. and I'm thinking I've got to come up with some excuses or figure this out. Anyway, we, we part ways and we go home. And there was something in me that said, I have to go and see what that's about. And the best way that I can describe it is that uh, we were living in a little house on Warm Springs at the time. And I kissed Monica and said goodbye And uh, I felt like when I looked at her and gave her a kiss, I felt like that was the last time that I was going to see her. You ever had a feeling like this might be my last day? Anybody? Okay, a few of you. I felt like, and the, this is the image that I had in my mind, I'm going to get in my car, I'm going to get toward this house, and I'm going to get hit by a, a, a truck, and that's it. I just, I sense this impending death. That's the only way I can describe it, and um, so I eventually got to this house where this, this meeting was going to be held, and uh, I found myself parking in front of it, and there was there was total darkness from where my car was and all I could see was people mingling around in this big window and I, I all of a sudden asked myself what am I doing here? And the next thing I know I'm walking down the pathway to the front door and I had this moment of I got to get out of here I can't, I can't do this and at that at that absolute moment the front door opened and Daniel was standing there and I felt like someone had just opened the door on me when I was changing or something I mean I was <laughs> panicked like <gasps> he caught me I can't run now you know and <laughs> it's really embarrassing sorry I not mean to give you any inappropriate images but but I got I felt caught and I knew I had to continue on because I had to know what this was I'd looked for every other answer but I had to know what it was and Nobody made me feel uncomfortable. They didn't make me stand up or say anything about myself. I probably would have run away and never come back if they had. But I heard a woman share her testimony about coming into a relationship with Jesus Christ. She was nothing like me. She was completely the opposite of, of um, my life. And yet there was something in me that began to awaken that night. I went back to the house. And the backstory of this is that uh, Monica had essentially severed relationship with her parents. Uh, her dad is a pastor, was a pastor at the time. And in moving in with me, she essentially severed relationship with her parents at the time. And, uh, and it was extremely difficult because she was very close with her family. And so when I got in the car and left that night, what I didn't know was that she got on the phone and began to call and talk with her parents and ask them to pray for me, telling them where I had gone, and to apologize for um, just the separation that had been between them over that period of time. So I came home and we took the dogs out for a walk and I still was, was wrestling with this and I can still see the spot that we were on the green belt where I stopped and looked at her and said, and I said words that I hadn't said yet that night. I said, I can't believe I invited Jesus to come in and, and come into my life tonight. I hadn't said that yet, but I'd made a decision because I saw something that was so absolutely different that I knew that it had to be the answer because I couldn't explain it. I couldn't explain the feeling that I got. I couldn't explain the forgiveness that I felt. I couldn't explain why people that I had so long judged weren't judging me but were actually welcoming me in. And the reason I want to tell you this, this story this morning, church, is that um, when I think about the times that we're in today, those words resonate in my heart. But God reached out to us. And, and I think about John 3.16, which is probably a really common scripture that most of us know. Um, but it says that, that God loves the world so much that he gave his only son. That he gave his only son that whoever believes in him won't perish but have eternal life. And God didn't send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. When we invite Jesus Christ to come in to our lives, in essence, what we're recognizing is that God loves us so much that he didn't leave us alone. He didn't leave us to our own demise. Think back to that scripture I read in Romans 8. Those who live according to the flesh have their minds set on what the flesh desires, but those who live in accordance with the spirit have their minds set on what the spirit desires. The mind that's governed by the flesh is hostile to God. I had hostility toward God. And when we have hostility toward God, guess who else we're going to have hostility toward? Each other. What do we see happening all around the world and in our country today? Hostility. We think it's about race and skin color or religion. That's surface stuff. It has to do with the fact that our hearts are darkened because of the sin and brokenness that's in the the world. God wasn't afraid to step into the messiness of the world, and he's not afraid to step into the messiness that is the state of any of our lives or any of the lives of our family or our friends or our coworkers or people on the other side of the globe who are engaged in sex trafficking or trapped in all kinds of terrible lifestyles. He's not afraid of it. He wasn't afraid of it in my life, and he's not afraid of it in your life. And if you knew me before, trust me, you would say, that guy is a lost cause. Lost cause. So what do we do with that? What's our call as the church? Not just in times like this when there's tragedy happening, when there's death, when there's suffering because those things are always going to be there, right? Jesus said there's there's always gonna be people in poverty, there's always gonna be people in a place of struggle. When that dividing wall it says this in Ephesians, you're gonna have fun studying this. When that dividing wall comes down between us and God, this amazing thing happens. Because it's like in those moments that heaven comes down and, and kisses earth. And there's something beautiful that's released because it's called freedom. Our inheritance that's described in the Bible that we have in heaven, one day when we take our last breath, if we believe in Jesus Christ, if we believe in God, if we surrender our lives to him, then we know that the end of our life on earth is just the beginning in eternity. But we receive part of that inheritance in the here and now and today because Ephesians says that the down payment of that inheritance is the Holy Spirit. It's like the down payment. It's the first piece toward what we will one day experience. And, and I read it in Romans 8 this morning, right? It says the mind governed by the Spirit is life and peace. What do we lack? What do people lack so much in our world today? Understanding what the point and purpose of their life is and any sense of peace. Now, I have a relationship with Jesus. I was experiencing anxiety this morning coming here to a new place. I still fight and battle. We all still fight and battle against these things. We have to wage war inside of us in our hearts and in our minds to continue to receive that gift of peace that Jesus gives us. It's a free gift, but it is costly. (laughs) So how do we live in this world today? Well, we have to know that the Holy Spirit is our comforter. He will lead us and guide us into all truth and understanding. And I fully believe that I have this little phrase I say internally frequently. I don't know where it came from. I'm sure I picked it up and plagiarized it from someone, but I fully believe that we are saved to be sent, that we are saved in our mess so that we can be sent into the messes of other people unafraid of the ugliness and the stuff that's going on in their lives because we are confident and knowing that no problem that we face is bigger than our God. We make our problems so big And we shrink God down and make him so small. But he is not. He is not small. And I fully believe that there's not a single problem in the world today that does not have an answer in Jesus Christ. And because we are his people and we have the spirit, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead, this is just a few verses on in Romans 8, the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us. And if the same spirit that raised Christ from the dead is in us, then what in the world do we have to worry about? We can enter into any place, any difficulty, any place of struggle and know and trust that God will lead us through That if we listen and are sensitive and we are continually in his word and seeking the things of him, seeking his face, seeking first his kingdom, then he will send us into problematic places, into difficult circumstances. Because oftentimes we are the solution that he's sending into some of the world's greatest problems. Not because there's anything so special or significant about us except for one thing. The Spirit of God is in us. That makes us significant. That makes us special. That makes us confident. That makes us realize that in times like this, we're not necessarily meant to to take sides and point fingers. But there are times where we are meant to stand right in the middle of problems and the struggles of the world. And to do what every single one of us, there's not a single follower of Jesus Christ that's exempt from this call. And I know we talk a lot about calling and we confuse that with a calling to um, you know, ministry or being a pastor or whatever. Well, there's not a single person in this room does not have a sing, uh, uh, that does not have a unique and distinct calling in God. But every single one of us are called to this one particular thing and that is the ministry of reconciliation. In 2 Corinthians 5, it says that we have a new life and that we are called to a ministry of reconciliation. First, we are reconciled to God, and then we're reconciled to one another. So when all this stuff goes on in the world today, we look around and see that God wants to bring us and draw us into the middle of difficult situations, and he wants to, through us and our presence and his presence in us, draw us and draw others into an experience with the presence of God that changes people's lives. Last week, um, I don't even know what kind of, I don't even know what kind of time I got or what time it is, so we're just having fun, right? <laughs> Somebody's going to give me the, real quick. We were in, we were in, in church last week, and, uh, sharing some things as, as worship was finishing up. And one of our pastors came up to me and uh, he sh- showed me his phone. And it was just prior to that that the shootings of these other police officers that happened last week um, w- would just had begun to happen in Baton Rouge. And um, what you need to know about this friend of mine is that he, has, he and his wife have an adopted son from the Congo. And uh, he's a pastor. Pretty much everyone else in his family and has a very large family is in law enforcement. And he came up to me and he was very emotional and said, I just have this picture as I was looking at this. And in this picture, I'm holding my son's hand. And in the other hand, I'm holding my dad's hand. And he said, I feel like I'm right in the middle of this battle of of race and law enforcement and all the messiness of what's going on right now. And as I've thought about that picture all week long, I come back to this idea, this truth, that we are called to a ministry of reconciliation. The mind that is governed by the flesh is hostile to God, which makes us hostile to one another. But the mind that's governed by the Spirit, that seeks the things of the Spirit, that seeks to know the truth of God and to see that truth impressed upon our hearts and released through us to the world around us, It means that we go into situations unafraid of what's going to happen and unafraid sometimes of our own safety and security and people are beginning to rise up and do this around our country. To bridge the gap that there is between us as people and so many people and God. You know, that scripture in John 3.16, what it tells me is that God is willing to go to greater lengths than anyone in this room ever will to reach out and make sure that we know it is never his intent to leave us alone. That he loves us so much that he was willing to send himself, to send his son, fully God and fully man, into a broken and hurting world And we we're singing it this morning not only that but he calls us friend who reaches out and does that when you know you're going to be hated and spit at and rejected God did God did So I don't know where everybody in the room is this morning in your relationship But part of my question to you is this God has placed every single one of you in a sphere of influence, in a school, in a neighborhood, in a family, in a place of work, in a city, in a country. God has placed every single one of you in a specific place at this point in time. And I feel like this is the greatest time in the history of the world to be alive. Because the darker that it gets and the harder that it gets, the more opportunity there is for the beauty of God to shine through us. So, my question to you is this What is the gap? Where is the gap that God has placed you, that He's calling you to be a bridge builder, to be a reconciler, to reach out where no one else is reaching out? When everybody else wants to defend and justify and tell you why they're right. Where has God placed you in the midst of situations like that in the world today to see the tangible beauty and presence of God expressed through your life? So I know there's another song uh, to play this morning, um, or maybe a couple more. I just want to invite the worship team uh, back up. And if, if I was right and was paying attention before we started this morning, I'm pretty sure this song is, is called Scandal of Grace. <laughs> it's kind of fitting. God's love is scandalous. It doesn't make sense. But as this song begins to play, am I right? Is that the song you guys are playing? Okay, good. <laughs> that would have been embarrassing. But as they begin to play and as we, as we set our hearts toward worship and as we aim our hearts at God, I want, you, I want to encourage you to take a moment and just begin to ask the Holy Spirit because I sense that some of you in the room this morning, because if you're in a room with people, most any time there's going to be a little of this, that we question, why am I in this relationship? Why am I in this job? Why did you put me in this family? Why am I a part of this church? Why am I in Boise? Why am I in the United States? More and more people, I want to get out of here. I want to go to Canada or Mexico or somewhere else. Okay, God didn't run from us and he doesn't ask and encourage us to run when things get hard. So Lord, we just turn to you this morning and Holy Spirit, we just ask you, what is the gap that you have called us to stand in? Where and how have you sent us with your message of reconciliation. Lord, I just want to boldly and courageously pray over every one of us in this room. We ask you to send us into those places that you might do a work of healing in us and through us, that we might see people reconciled in relationship with one another, and more importantly, Lord, in relationship with you. We thank you, Jesus, that just like you didn't leave me alone, you sent people into my life to be a personal expression of your love. So, Lord, we ask you to send us into those places to shine brightly to bring life and peace And I thank you, Jesus, that everything in our lives that would occur would be an outgrowth of this relationship with you. And if you're in the room this morning and you have never entered into a relationship with Jesus Christ, it is scandalously and ridiculously simple. It simply comes by acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the Son of God that he came and lived a perfect and sinless life here on earth. And in his death on the cross and his resurrection, he paid for every failure and every mistake and every sin that we ever would commit, that we ever have committed or that we ever will commit. He covered it all and his desire is to draw all people to himself. And all we have to simply do is acknowledge And speak with our mouth and believe in our heart that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. That he seeks to come and to rescue us, that we might be a part of his rescuing plan. Let's stand and worship together.